0: Section 1 of The Watergate Report, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 2. Chapter 4 Campaign Financing Introduction One of the principal areas of interest to the select committee was the financing of the various presidential candidacies. As the candidates of their respective parties, President Nixon's and Senator McGovern's campaigns ultimately compiled total expenditures of over $100 million. The unsuccessful campaigns of others seeking nomination spent millions of dollars more the report that follows reviews some of the more significant subjects investigated by the committee including alleged corporate contributions by thirteen corporations in twelve cases the corporation or one of its officers have pleaded guilty the relationship between campaign contributions to fcrp and the interest of the contributors in securing ambassadorships union activity in the campaign the role of herbert w kalmbach in fundraising the contribution of robert allen whose funds became the so-called mexican checks an incident involving fcrp's national hispanic finance committee the results of the committee's questionnaires the corporate oriented campaign of fcrp the settlement of campaign debts in the campaign of senator mcgovern and the receipt of certain cash contributions by the campaign of john v Lindsay. the 1972 campaign particularly that of president nixon was in effect split into two by the april seventh nineteen seventy two effective date of the federal election campaign act of 1971 prior to april seventh nineteen seventy two contributors could be assured that their contributions would remain confidential based on this understanding large contributions were made including many in cash and some out of corporate assets significantly almost all of the largest corporate contributions were made before april seventh nineteen seventy two furthermore one of the results of the fact that a large number of contributions were given in cash was difficulty in tracing the source of the funds. Although hundreds of persons were interviewed and tens of thousands of documents examined in connection with this phase of the investigation, it was not possible, of course, to investigate fully every allegation or question every contributor of a substantial sum. In its effort, the committee staff was assisted by the Government Accounting Office and its Office of Federal Elections. Based on the results of its investigations, the committee has made a number of recommendations, emphasizing the importance of citizen participation, disclosure, and accountability. 1. Corporate Contributions During the 1972 presidential campaign, it appears that at least 13 corporations made contributions totaling over $780,000 in corporate funds section 610 of title eighteen united states code prohibits contributions on the part of corporations and unions of these twelve gave approximately seven hundred forty nine thousand dollars to the president's reelection campaign which constituted the bulk of the illegal corporate contributions while there is no evidence that any fundraiser for president nixon directly solicited a corporate contribution there is evidence that a number of them either were indifferent to the source of the money or at the very least made no effort whatsoever to see to it that the source of the funds was private rather than corporate in any event there is no evidence that any fundraiser who was involved in these contributions sought or obtained assurances that the contribution was legal at the time it was made there is no clear pattern to the solicitations that led to corporate contributions Thus, a number of fundraisers solicited contributions that turned out to be corporate. Other contributions solicited by these same individuals gave all the appearance of being totally legal. Some of these solicitations were vigorous. Some were low key, to the point where the contribution can be considered voluntary. The sources of the corporate money were also varied. The single most utilized source of corporate funds was foreign subsidiaries. Corporate funds obtained by this means included corporate reserves of apparent long-standing. Others give indications of being isolated transactions, with the funds accumulated in response to the solicitation in question. Another pattern included the use of corporate expense accounts and corporate bonuses to reimburse corporate executives for their contributions in most cases there was apparently a contemporaneous understanding at the time the contribution was made or in fact the corporate reimbursement actually preceded the contribution finally in the great majority of cases the contributions were in the form of cash which on several occasions was generated very rapidly by the donor although the bulk of the contributions preceded april seventh nineteen seventy two the date the new reporting law federal elections campaign act of 1971 went into effect there was no disclosure of the corporate nature of any contributions until july 6 1973 or 15 months after most of them were made the main impetus to the disclosure came from the imaginative suit brought by common cause to compel disclosure of pre april 7th contributions when it became apparent that some sort of disclosure by the finance committee to reelect the president would be required letters were sent out by fcrp seeking enumeration of the individuals who had actually made the contributions the responses varied in some cases the corporate executives prepared a list of employees either with or without their consent that was false Other executives promptly called in attorneys who advised them to make full disclosure, which was done. According to the evidence, in at least two cases, American Shipbuilding Company and Northrop Corporation, elaborate schemes to conceal the corporate nature of a contribution were indulged in, and involved lying to the FBI. There follows a summary of the committee's investigation into alleged and admitted corporate contributions a american airlines incorporated in march 1972 following a solicitation by herbert kalmbach the personal attorney for the president and also a counsel to united airlines american airlines incorporated made a contribution from corporate funds in the amount of fifty five thousand dollars as related in public testimony by george a spater former chairman of the board and chief executive officer of american airlines he first met kalmbach in march nineteen seventy one but no solicitation occurred until july thirtieth nineteen seventy one when spater was asked by daniel hofgren vice chairman of fcrp to join him and kalmbach for lunch during that luncheon there was no specific request for a contribution Although Kalmbach's role as a fundraiser was mentioned. Following the luncheon, Sparter, anticipating that he would be getting a request from Kalmbach for a substantial contribution, and having heard that FCRP was searching for hundred thousand dollar givers, asked an American Airlines official to assemble a hundred thousand dollars. Two or so months later, Kalmbach called Spater. and the two of them had dinner in new york on october twentieth nineteen seventy one at this dinner kalmbach asked for a contribution in the neighborhood of a hundred thousand dollars advising spater that this would put him in a special class spater replied that he would do his best to produce seventy thousand or seventy five thousand dollars kalmbach said that he hoped spater would do better as described by spader kalmbach was less than enthusiastic about spader's response to his request of a hundred thousand dollars no mention of cash was made in this discussion Spater stressed that he would have preferred making the whole contribution in a way that would have been unobjectionable but i wasn't able to do that when spader was asked whether he drew the inference from what kalmbach had said that he was trying to get a hundred thousand dollars from spader personally Spater replied that it never entered my mind that he was because i simply do not have the capacity to do it but that is a subjective evaluation following this request and while the corporate money was being generated Spater obtained a series of five thousand dollar checks from a friend had those checks converted to cash and arranged for a series of five thousand dollar donations in one hundred dollar bills to be made to FCRP between december nineteen seventy one and february nineteen seventy two meanwhile spater's colleagues arranged for a check in the amount of a hundred thousand dollars to be drawn on American's account at the Chemical Bank, which was transmitted to a Swiss account of a Lebanese agent Andre Taborian whom American had utilized in more traditional business enterprises. The $100,000 was charged on Americans' books as a special commission to Andre Taborian in connection with used aircraft sales to Middle East Airlines. After the money was transmitted to Switzerland, it was transferred back to the United States to an account maintained at the Chase National Bank in New York. Later, the Lebanese agent came to New York, went to the bank, obtained the $100,000 in cash, and gave it to an American Airlines official who returned to the office and placed it in an office safe. In March 1972, with fifteen thousand dollars already having been contributed to FCRP and five thousand more from the same source in hand, Spater arranged for fifty five thousand dollars in corporate funds to be removed from the safe. As in prior instances, the money in one hundred dollar bills was put in an unmarked envelope and delivered either to Lee Nunn or Hugh Sloan at FCRP. Aside from this contribution, Spader admitted that an American Airlines employee, while on the company payroll, had worked for Democrats for Nixon. This corporate contribution involved an additional $10,000. More than a year later, on about April 26, 1973, Spater received a telephone call from Kalmbach, who stated that Stans was saying that in view of the common cause suit against FCRP, it might be necessary to release information concerning contributors, and if this were done, American Airlines would be shown as having given $75,000. Apparently, Kalmbach was not seeking information, and Spater did not tell him anything about the source of the funds. After receiving additional calls concerning the possibility of disclosure, Spater went to counsel and, following discussions, agreed to admit to the illegal contribution. On July 6, 1973, American Airlines became the first corporation to make disclosure of a corporate contribution in a 1972 campaign. Thereafter, the $55,000 in corporate funds was returned from FCRP, and the entire $100,000 returned to proper corporate channels. While noting that there was no quid pro quo involved, Spader testified at some length to the circumstances which led him, a lawyer and former general counsel for American Airlines, to participate in the illegal transaction. During the time of the solicitation by Kambach, American had numerous matters pending before various agencies of the federal government, including approximately 20 of substance. Spater noted that it is not unusual for American to have a substantial number of significant matters pending with the government. Among the pending items was a proposed merger between American and Western Airlines. Spater noted that the merger agreement expired in February 1972, and it had been extended about three or four times. Spater had heard rumors to the effect that the White House was opposed to the merger. The final decision, Spader noted, was in the hands of the President himself. In late May or June, two or three months after the final installment was delivered to FCRP, Spader turned to Stans, former Commerce Secretary and Chairman of FCRP, for information concerning the White House position. Spader testified that he turned to Stans because I did not know anybody in the political arena at the White House. STANS NEVER PROVIDED HIM WITH ANY INFORMATION. ULTIMATELY, THE MERGER WAS NOT AUTHORIZED. ALTHOUGH SPATER ACKNOWLEDGED THAT KAMBACH NEVER THREATENED HIM, AND THE MERGER AND OTHER AMERICAN AIRLINES PROBLEMS WERE NEVER DISCUSSED, SPATER WAS APPREHENSIVE OF THE SOLICITATION, PARTICULARLY IN VIEW OF THE FACT THAT KAMBACH WAS NOT ONLY THE ATTORNEY FOR AMERICANS' PRINCIPAL COMPETITOR, UNITED AIRLINES, BUT WAS THE PRESIDENT'S PERSONAL ATTORNEY. SPATER EXPANDED ON THIS THEME IN RESPONSE TO QUESTIONS FROM SENATOR IRVIN. SENATOR IRVIN Now, here in these circumstances, Mr. Kalmbach came in and said he wanted a contribution of $100,000, and he hoped that it would be received, and all those who made a contribution of as much as $100,000 would be put in some kind of select class. MR. SPATER Yes, sir. SENATOR IRVIN well didn't you interpret that as a sort of implied promise as far as mr kalmbach could make one that people who had made contributions of a hundred thousand dollars would have a superior consideration to people who were not able to make contributions of that much mr Spater? well there was the other possibility and that was a negative one which was very much in my mind i think as a result of the hearings before this committee it probably might be something and that is that you would be regarded as a persona non grata if you didn't there were two aspects would you get something if you gave it or would you be prevented from getting something if you didn't give it senator Irvin. in other words to use the vernacular expression a request of this kind has a tendency to instill the fear that if you don't comply, you might get, in the use of the vernacular, get it in the neck from some government agency. Mr. Spader, Yes, Mr. Kalmbach, of course, is a lawyer for our principal competitor, who was opposing us in the merger case. So I didn't believe that giving him the money would help us in that case. Senator Irvin, But you did fear that if you didn't give the money there might be some consequences? Mr. Spader, Yes, sir, I was worried senator Irvin, departing from the normal use of language would it not be fair to say that requests of people of high authority who control great government power or who have direct access to those who control great government power when they ask for contributions there is a sort of unspoken coercion in the request isn't there mr Spater unspoken what sir senator Irvin does not a request for a campaign contribution of persons from industries or the officers of industries that are particularly subject to government regulation have the effect although there is no coercion spoken but they have the effect of some kind of implied coercion don't they mr Spater. yes sir i explained it when i was talking to counsel of the staff that it is something like the old medieval maps that show a flat world and then what they call terra incognito with fierce animals lying round the fringes of the map you just don't know what is going to happen to you if you get off it i think sometimes the fear of the unknown may be more terrifying than the fear of the known i think this is a very large element of the picture under questioning from senator montoya spater added senator montoya You did not, during your three conversations with Mr. Kalmbach, give any slight thought to the possibility that he was trying to obtain from you a voluntary contribution for $100,000, with the emphasis on the voluntary? Mr. Spater, no, I do not think he would have introduced this idea of a special class, nor would he have approached me from that point of view as a possible solution spater proposed restrictions on solicitation on the part of certain former high government officials i believe that the present system places unfair pressures both on candidates and on corporate executives as i said in my statement of july sixth most contributions from the business community are not volunteered to seek a competitive advantage but are made in response to pressure for fear of the competitive disadvantage that might result if they are not made this process degrades both the donor and the donee it is particularly dangerous when the pressure is implicit in the position of the individual making the solicitation i suggest therefore that congressional consideration be given to the advisability of making certain individuals wholly ineligible to engage in campaign solicitation in particular, I recommend that solicitation by individuals who are personal representatives of officers holding such positions be made unlawful. End of section 1 Recording by Maria Casper.